Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where I tell you about wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each week I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. Before we get into this week talking about an animal that has a tooth coming out of its face, we have yet more news. We now have an Instagram page for the podcast. Hooray! So if you're also on Instagram, you can follow the podcast at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod. And I am honestly not the most social media savvy of millennials, but this will give me the ability to share some updates with you and post about upcoming episodes and all sorts of good stuff. So follow the podcast, share the podcast, it'll be a fun time. So now getting to this week, as I said, we have an animal whose tusk is actually a tooth that is protruding through its face. And for some people, this may not be the most shocking fact about it. We are talking about narwhals. Narwhals are often referred to as the unicorn of the ocean because of their tusk, and in medieval Europe, narwhal tusks were sometimes sold as unicorn horns. It's likely partly due to this that there is a surprisingly common misconception that narwhals do not exist, and the fact that relatively few people have seen a narwhal in person plays a role in that as well. So if this is the first time you're learning that narwhals actually do exist, surprise! Narwhals, Monodon monoceros, are toothed whales in the same family as belugas. Populations are doing pretty well at the moment, and not too long ago they were promoted from near-threatened to least concerned by the IUCN, so they're also definitely not extinct. Or endangered. They're definitely not endangered. They live in the Arctic around Greenland, Canada, and Russia, feeding on fish like flatfish and arctic cod. They can dive pretty deep, When they dive, dives last anywhere from 7 to 20 minutes and can reach depths to 1,160 meters or about 3,800 feet, with some occasional deep dives going down to 1,500 meters or 4,920 feet. Without the tusks, body size ranges from 4 to 5.5 meters, about 13 to 18 feet. Once the tusk is added in, that adds another 5 to 10 feet or about one to three meters, as the tusk grows throughout the life of the individual. The tusk is actually primarily only in males, and it even happens where individuals grow two tusks, which happens in about one in 500 males. A small percentage of females do grow tusks, with about 15% of females having them, and even more rare are the double-tusked females, which So far, we have only observed one, and that was collected in the late uh, 1600s. The tusk, like other mammal tusks, is actually a canine tooth projecting from the left side of the upper jaw. It grows out through the lip and then forms a left-handed spiral. Over the course of history, going all the way back to 1495, there have been many different proposed functions of the narwhal tusks, And there are still very recent studies trying to piece it all together and sort this out. Some proposed functions have included using it as a weapon, which going by the scarring and broken tusks in some individuals, opening holes in sea ice, feeding, since sometimes they have been observed to stun fish with their tusk, as a secondary sex character, communication between individuals, they're sometimes seen rubbing tusks together, Defense against predators as a thermal regulator, and even some studies in the 1970s proposed it being used as a breathing organ, which, not sure how they got that, but 
that's okay. While some of those things are definitely a little bit of nonsense, like using it as a breathing organ, back in 2014, we were able to figure out that it does play a role as a sensory organ. Teeth in mammals do have sensory functions, as you all have likely experienced. They can sense different temperatures, different ion concentration gradients, physical pressure, and proprioception, which is the sense of movement of self and positioning. Since the narwhal tusk is a big tooth, it would make sense for it to also have sensory abilities and give some information to the individual. In this 2014 study by Niwa and colleagues, they were able to sort out a sensory pathway as water came in contact with the tusk. The stimulus is able to travel through the cementum, which is the outer layer of the tusk, and then get into the, or then activate the sensory cells within the pulp of the tusk, that deep inner portion, which then transfers the information to a cranial nerve. They were able to observe that the tusk can identify differences or can detect differences in high salt and freshwater solutions, and given the characteristics of the tusk, they may also be able to detect changes in temperature and pressure as well, which would be important in their deep dives. One thing that is super interesting that they observed is that female tusks are different than the male tusks. In females, the tusk is more dense and has less pulp, which would actually limit their sensory ability. In a more recent study published in 2020 by Graham and colleagues, uh, they suggested that the tusk may be a sexually selected trait. If a trait has been under sexual selection, the trait is generally larger than expected because it relays important information to either competitors or to potential mates. As a good example of this, think of the very long tail feathers of male peacocks. They're much longer than you would expect for the bird. By comparing the relationships between body size and tusk length, and then the body size and the tail width, they included that the tusk does appear to be under sexual selection and is used as a signal to communicate information either to potential mates or to other males. But since narwhals live in such remote and inaccessible areas of the ocean, we don't really know a lot about their mating behaviors and how they select mates, so exactly how it's being selected still needs to be studied and kind of figured out. Male narwhals could be signaling to potential predators with their tusks, so when they're tapping their tusks against each other, this is called tusking, and they may be doing this to assess the fighting ability of other opponents, which could help them to afford a fight that they can't win. Interestingly, the scarring patterns seen on, on male narwhals are similar to those seen in other animals that have sexually selected traits used as weapons. However, looking at the abilities, the weaponry abilities of the tusks, it can only withstand lateral strikes. They can't really withstand direct stabs. The size of the tusk could also provide information to future mates by giving information about the quality of the mate, with a larger tusk potentially being better, or the tusk giving the ability um, of the male to sense where females are gathering and foraging, giving them better ability to find a mate. A lot of studies, at least historically, have focused on finding the one thing that the narwhal tusk is used for, and this is fairly true for a lot of traits in biology. We like to kind of package these things in a nice neat little bow and say, yes, this is the one thing this trait is used for. But what's more likely is that the tusk has multiple functions, and the tusk being used for one thing doesn't exclude its ability to be used for another. 
For example, since the narwhal tusk has been shown to have sensory abilities, it may help them to be better able to access areas that could be better food sources. This could help with uh, mate selection by helping a male find food sources that a female would need for calves, or then in some cases it could also be used as a weapon for hunting by stunning prey by giving it a good smack. What makes the idea of this trait being sexually selected interesting, though, is that females can also sometimes have tusks. Usually with sexually selected trait, the trait is not seen in both males and females, so since it's seen in both, introduces a couple other potential evolutionary possibilities with the existence of the tusk. Since it has sensory abilities, it is possible that the sensory ability itself is a retained function from its ancestors and is a disappearing trait in females, or the opposite could be true, that the tusk is a currently evolving as a sensory organ and is beginning to appear in females. As I said, scientists often like to try and find the one true purpose for a trait, when in reality, especially with the case of the narwhal tusks, there are likely multiple uses. The uniqueness of the narwhal's tusk has made it the source of myth and has likely perpetuated the myth of the unicorn, but either way, myth or no, we can still say that the narwhal is the one true living unicorn. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and be sure to tune in to next week's episode. Please rate and review on iTunes and Podbean, and you can also find me on Amazon Music and Audible. There are now a couple of options to help support this podcast. You can share us with somebody you know that could use some more animal facts in their life, which, frankly, is is definitely everybody you know, and you can also become a patron on Patreon. You can find the link in the description of this episode. You can also find the podcast on Instagram, so give it a follow at Quirky Creepy Freaky Pod. And if you have a favorite quirky, creepy, or freaky animal fact, send it on in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com. Audio editing and recording done by me, Olivia Streit. Intro music created by Kaylee Streit. Thank you for listening. <laughs>